Stanley. Hi, this is Olivia. And it's Edgar. And welcome to the Minority Reports Podcast, episode 47. 47, um, So we are a podcast um, about news and culture through the eyes of people of color. And you can follow us everywhere that you, um, <laughs> or you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google, um, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, all those places, yeah, etc., etc. And you can follow us on our social media at the Minority Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and the full the Minority Report podcast on Facebook. Awesome. So welcome. Yes, <laughs> welcome. Hi. Uh, hi. Yes. Hi. Um, uh, just a. You know, just a disclaimer, this is going to be a little bit of a um, freeform episode. Um, Olivia and I uh, attended last weekend's uh, ACL, Austin Music City Limits uh, Festival here in Austin, Texas. So we have not had much time to do research yeah. or study or anything. We've been a little bit tired. Um, we were living our lives. Yes, and Stanley has been time. gracious enough to let us do sort of an easy, I say easier <laughs> episode, but there's a lot to talk about, but... Um, it's not as structured. Yeah. It's like an, it's like an, it's like an OG minority report yes. episode where we just like talk about news and rail yeah. and just and just see what happens. Um, so uh, prepare for that if you're used to our normal uh, format. But we'll be back to normal next week. Um, but yeah, let's start off with some hard news. We haven't done news in. A while, actually. I know. Been, Even uh, all of our news is just like, all right, we're just going to like yeah. blast through it. Yes. Um, so uh, in, in really here, we're going to focus on just this. It's a little bitty news story. I know there's a lot happening um, and we're going to mention a few of those things in this little bit. Um, we want to talk about this because it was really interesting. Um, so early 2018 midterm polls are suggesting that Democrats are leading Republicans by double digits. Um this is a uh, pretty uh, uh, interesting because that's one thing we've talked about for a long time is what's going to happen now that Donald Trump and Republicans are in full control of our government um, in the midterms. Will they hold on to this power or will their incompetence really like, you know, hurt them? And it looks like it's hurting them. Uh, so this was a poll conducted by CNN. Um, it's still really early um, to conduct these polls, but it is promising. Um double di- like the margin of error for this poll uh, was 3.5%, um, which is on the larger side, but 3.5 for a double digit um, lead, like that's saying something. Yeah. Um, so that, that, you know, that's actually really interesting. Um, so let's get to some of these numbers. 51% of voters support the Democratic Party, while 37% support the GOP on just a generic ballot. So what a generic ballot means is that it's not an individual that they're listing. So not John McCain, not... um, You're literally just voting one party straight down the board. Right, not Chuck Schumer. It's just one single party. Um, What's also interesting about this poll is the way they broke it down, they broke it down that um, 88% of Republicans support their own Republican candidates, while 98% of Democrats support their own candidates. Um, That's an interesting number because it shows that more Democrats by 10% uh, um, support their own people, while Republicans, it looks like there's some, uh, you know, yeah. some fallout. Some Something's happening. Like, this is showing that something's happening. Olivia, I heard the smile on Olivia's face, which I just have I mean, to say, you can't see it on the podcast, but she's very happy. Like, I, I just think it's funny because I think that, like, 98% number is literally the result of us in 2016 
just being like, fuck it. It doesn't matter anyway. Right. Everything is, like, Democrats in particular were just like, nah, we don't like anyone. We, we're not going to vote. Like, it's this weird moral high ground that a right. lot of kind of Democrats had, especially ones that didn't have much to lose from this election. Because I feel like we talked about this a lot when the election was mm-hmm. happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's some weird um, so there's some weird noise in the studio <laughs> that we cannot control. So if you hear it, um, uh, we apologize, but we're, we're just gonna keep, we're gonna power through. We're gonna yeah. power through. Uh, so let's keep going. But yes. But as I was saying, <laughs> um, basically, what's interesting about this is I think that 98 percent number comes from the fact that in 2016, a lot of Democrats, especially Democrats who didn't have a lot to lose by Mm -hmm. one party winning over the other. Cough, cough, Bernie bros, cough, cough. Yeah. Um, We're basically have this weird, like, moralistic high ground where it's just like, if I don't believe in this candidate 100%, I'm not going to vote for them. Right. Which, like, is a luxury that a lot of us didn't have. And I think right. now that they're seeing the repercussions of just, like, what picking the f- their battles. Yes, like, not exactly. being able to, like, pick their battles right. and not knowing when to hold that moral high ground. Everyone's just, like, like literally. But I feel like both the GOP and the Democratic Party are in shambles. But I think the Democratic Party is now, like having a wake-up call, like, fuck. Yes, they are. You gotta do something. Yes. Like, I don't, you know, like, I might not agree 100% with my candidate, but, like, a means to an end, we've gotta make sure that we, like, get some semblance of control back from, like, a weird tweeting president who doesn't know what he's doing. I I definitely think that's part of it, but I think another major part of it is... um, Trump Trump regret and also a wake-up call for Republicans where they realized uh, the party that they've known their entire life and career mm. has completely changed. Yeah, that's um, a good point. And we're actually going to talk about that later when we talk about a certain video game, but the changing face of uh, the party, um, things are happening. And um, there's re- recent Trump news that just sort of proves that things like are not going well for Republicans. Um, it's important to note. Trump is, uh, uh, you know, in the White House. Republicans control both the Senate and um, the Congress. So it's like, you know. I mean, I also think the fact that they can't get enough votes, even though they have control of both the Senate and the House, <laughs> yeah, to pass any something. legislation yes. whatsoever. Yeah, that- and at the same time, they're having to, like, face the repercussions from, like, Trump's just, like. Exactly. You know erratic sort of behavior um, is really interesting. Like, we're not going to talk about it, but, like, his Iran deal tweets and his North Korea right. tweets. No, and right. like mm-hmm. I mean, and that and that's sort of, you know, the, the, there's this a lot of um, public negative uh, views of a lot of the things uh, Republicans and Trump um, have said are trying to do or have attempted to do. Um, so, of course, DACA being rescinded was... Uh, something that was viewed as very negative to, negatively towards Trump, um, threatening to pull from the Iran nuclear deal, um, calling for the removal of Obamacare, and uh, the repeated attempt at repealing Obamacare, uh, I think has really hurt the Republican Party because 
real life Americans, like everyday Americans got to see this face of the Republican Party, um, you know, which was uh, uh, complete lies, which was let me take away your health care, even though I promised you that you I would keep it. it yeah. You know what I mean? Like that is uh, that is alarming to a lot of people. I kept seeing a bunch of tweets of uh, people who voted for Trump who said, I thought you were going to make our insurance better. Like you yeah. said, you were going to make our insurance better. <laughs> You're making it worse. Like that is there is something wrong with what you promised. Um, but yeah, and, and amongst a, a whole ton of other things happening right now that um, we actually are not going to take the time to talk about, but um, we thought we should mention stuff like uh, Obama or not Obama, uh, Trump pulling stabilizing payments into Obamacare, which to him means Obamacare is dead, but it's not. It just means you are literally shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, the travel- you're literally just <laughs> fucking over the middle class. Yeah, like that's it, what you're doing with that. It makes no because sense. Because by the law, if you like. If premiums rise, subsidies have to rise. Right. So um, the travel ban just I think it was today or yesterday um, was recently blocked by a federal judge in Maryland. Um, so it's like there's just these continual fights that uh, Republicans and Trump keep on losing, and um, it's hurting them. It's hurting them in the polls. Uh, so my question they just to don't know when to quit. Yeah. So Abandon my ship, man. <laughs> so my question to, uh, uh, for both of you is like what? Um, and Olivia, you already sort of mentioned this. So Stanley, what do you think this poll is showcasing? Do you think there's a shift? Have you noticed a shift with people that you know who may have voted for Trump or lean Republican? Um, I'm not sure if I can, like, gather anything right. from this information because it's I, so early too. I think that 88 percent is still a high number. Yes, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Of right. Republicans like still supporting Trump. That's what it's, it's essentially saying. Right. Um, but there is like there does seem to be like since um, the Democrats is leading like more people identifying as a Democrat. Yes. Showing that the Republicans are less confident in their mm. own party. I think that's a, a, yeah. a really good point, too, that I, I've heard other people talk about, which is um, a lot of people were ashamed to be Democrats during the whole Bernie and Hillary thing. And a lot of people were anti-democratic, even though if they believed those ideals or aligned uh, with left-leaning policies. But now it's like, oh, shit, no, I'm a Democrat. Fuck Republicans. You know? <laughs> like It's yeah. like, no, I'm going to embrace being a Democrat because this fucked shit up. Yeah. I mean, like, I think both parties are fractured. It's just Democrats have now faced the reality of what a fractured party does Mm -hmm. and, like, what happens when a party is fractured. And the GOP hasn't had to face that yet because they're the party in power. But even now, like I said, they can't muster up enough votes Mm -hmm. to even, you know, accomplish anything because the Freedom Caucus goes way too far one way. Right. And so moderate and more liberal Republicans are just like, what the fuck? But without the Freedom Caucus votes, they can't win either. So it's very... Like both parties are fractured, but right. Democrats are Democrats have already like, you know, we've gone through all lesson. of we've yeah. gone through all of the stages of grief. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and now we're to like and recovering. Like, we're trying yeah, to yeah. like come back and learn from our mistakes yeah. and learn our lessons and like basically, basically coming to a point where it's just like, all right, there has to be a way for like more conservative leaning liberals, moderate liberals, and progressives to like find some sort of like yeah common ground happy your enemy. you know yeah. like some sort of compromise that no one everyone can like begrudgingly be right. like okay 
yeah, there it, it, there has to be some sort of uh, coming together. Um, but yeah, so this is really a step in the right direction. It is still way too early. Um, I know it's sort of, you know, it's 2018 seems like it is, you know, n- coming in a few months. But uh, for polling, it's still really early. Anything could happen and things could change. But this is um, a little bit of positive news. Um, maybe we don't have a decisive victory in 2018, but uh, we get more seats and, and yeah. there's something achieved and done. Um, but yeah, this is definitely something that we will keep our eyes on. And it's something we've been talking about for a while and it's crazy to finally start getting these poll numbers and, uh, we'll report, um, as they come by. But, um, that is not really the hot topic in the news right now. (laughs) There's uh, uh, some scandals happening. Um, I mean, we talked about Weinstein last week and I think that, that, that sort of opened up the floodgates from all angles um you had an olympic gymnast come out actually today saying that you know the um the team doctor for the u.s women's olympic team was sexualized from women he's actually in prison right now he was sentenced to 25 years for um child pornography and sexual assault um but she came out with her story so it's like really a lot of men in positions of power Mm -hmm. in any field are like doing these things but i think we're particularly in tune with like the entertainment and media aspect of it because that's like the world we come from right um so two major figures being accused of sexual harassment and assault amazon's roy price and bob weinstein brother of uh harvey weinstein yes so um roy price's whole thing is really interesting so if you don't know, Roy Price is the Amazon ex- is the executive of Amazon Studios, so he's the one who runs Amazon Studios, kind of has built it up. Um, and he's being accused of sexual harassment by um, Issa Hackett, who is um, the producer of The Man in High Castle. And one, one of their main series. One of, one of their yeah. main series. She's the producer... Um, and I believe she's the daughter of the man who wrote Man in High Castle, but it could yes. be wrong. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah so um, Price was actually suspended October 13th when this news came out. And, like, the comments he made were very lewd, obviously. Um, and, like, I'm not going to repeat them here. You can go and find them if you want. But it was, like, just very clearly, like disrespect for her because she was a woman and like very purely looking at her as if she were a sexual object for his desire because she rebuffed him she was just like listen i'm a lesbian with a wife and kids like this is not none of this is happening from any angle and he was just very you know like disrespectful this um Issa Hackett released her story when the Harvey Weinstein scandal broke, which, again, is, like, a very important sort of point that, like, there was this, you know, there was this point, and then a whole bunch of people came out against Harvey Weinstein, and there was a mass outrage and a mass support Mm -hmm. for survivors, Mm -hmm. and that led other people to be more comfortable to speak about their experiences, which is very important. Um, Hackett had filed a complaint in 2015 when the incident occurred. Amazon did nothing um, 
really. Like, nothing came of it, but she did notice that Roy Price stopped appearing yeah. at the Man in High Castle like events. parties. Like, mm-hmm. events, parties, whatever. Roy Price would not be there after that incident. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because Amazon completely severed ties with the Weinstein Company. Um, Roy Price has been suspended. Um, and it's all happening after the scandal. It's all happening you know? after Harvey Weinstein. And with Bob Weinstein, um, Amanda Siegel, the executive producer for this TV series, The Mist, claimed that Bob Weinstein had acted inappropriately towards her during production of the show um, for several months. Right. Going up to the summer of 2016. Um, and Bob Weinstein actually, like, came out and was... When Harvey's scandal was right. happening... His sick, own brother. And he said that um, he wasn't aware and that his actions were indefensible and crazy. So, like, sort of being, like, you know, CYA, like, all right, I, you know, like, I'm coming out now. It's like, these are indefensible actions, but... You know, obviously his brother can't say too, too much. Um, the wine scenes are now under a microscope. Right. And I think, like, you know, it, it's come to a point where, like, executives and, you know, people who are so used to having power that they do these things and they don't expect any repercussions from, you know, what they do to people, the harassment and the assault. So it's really interesting to see them sort of, like... Shaking it, not interesting, I should say, but like, they're they're shaking in their boots a little bit. Woody Allen actually came out, and like Woody Allen's also like a very complicated figure, and mm-hmm. he's just like, I hope this doesn't lead to a witch hunt, which is like a very interesting for, <laughs> hi- which Jesus is a very Christ. interesting thing for him to say because he's been accused of yeah. so much, and there's been like a lot of whisperings about Woody Allen, and so the fact that I mean, I think we're all in agreement that anyone who doesn't come to like the defense of victims or survivors and doesn't like believe them when they say these things happened is a total asshole. So, you know, you know it's a really complicated situation. Really and icky. yeah. And one of our friends, Hannah on Facebook actually posted something interesting that, um, I'd like to get your take on. I'd like to get y'all's take on, um, like basically when, when these scandals started happening, people started paying attention, you know, it was all very, and it's not like women haven't, hasn't, haven't been saying these things, right? but it's really interesting to me that like a lot of the women coming forward are like attractive white women in positions of power. They have wealth, they have resources, yeah. they have all of those things. And like, that's why this story is gaining traction yeah. and that's why all of these survivors have support. So like, I want to, I mean, like this is like completely open. Like, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I, I, I definitely think there's something to that. Um, it, you know, even though, and it's all about privileges. And I know sometimes, you know, people may listen to our podcast and think we are um, overreacting or beating a dead horse, but it's true. It's all about privileges. And, you know, these are, these are brave women and these are survivors. They are victims, uh, but they also come uh, in a position of privilege where they are rich white women with uh, a certain level of power where they can speak out and shine a light. And it's actually good that they're doing it because they're able to shine a light on something 
that, um, you know, needs yeah. to be shown. Uh, but there are, I imagine there are women of color who don't have that privilege to come out. Um, but, you know, hopefully with all this happening, uh, more women will feel uh, empowered to come out. And it did, hopefully it doesn't matter if they are in a position of power or not. And yeah, yeah, what Edgar said, um, yep, it's because that they're like white and popular mm-hmm. and powerful that this whole thing is gaining traction. Right. And you'd, you'd hope that um, people, like they would also speak of other like things happening to like people with less privilege, basically. Right. Like yeah. Kristen Stewart. I um, was going to mention Yeah, that, recently yeah. came out and um, saying that this also happens to below the line, like crew members on set. Mm. So so she, she used her privilege or power to give voice to those who don't, like, like can't speak out as much, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that's, like, a wonderful way to use that um, and yeah. shed light yeah. to... Yeah, we've to, said it on this uh, podcast before. White people, we need you to step <laughs> up, you know? Like, I, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. Like, I'm glad this, I'm really glad this conversation is happening, and I'm, and I'm hoping it, like, the Academy expelled Harvey Weinstein, which is, like, a first. Like, they didn't even... They didn't expel Roman Polanski, yeah. who was actually charged. Right. So or, like, or Bill Cosby, or, or even Bill Cosby. Woody right. Allen still. So last week we talked about this a little bit, and we talked about, um, you know, um, will this lead to change? And it looks like, in a way, it is. And Olivia, you know, during that episode, you were a little more cynical, totally justifiably so. Um, but it looks like actually things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Both of you, really. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's it's great and all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, these are things are only happening yeah. because it's out in the public. Right. Yeah. Like, everyone knew that this was an open secret. Everyone knew about Harvey Weinstein. Right. And nothing was done about it. And then suddenly, once it's out in the public, everything, everyone's trying to do things, fix things to... Like, you know, kick him out all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. Um, so, like, I just hope more things come out. If there are other, you know, victims, obviously there there are, and other executives who might be accused of sexual harassment or assault. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen, but let's just hope and, like, wait and see. I'm just glad that we're getting to a place where people are more comfortable talking about it. And... I think going back to the optics thing, like, I want, I mean, I'm always the person who wants that, who wants people to take it like a step beyond, right? Like, I always want more, more, more. But I think, you know, I think where we go from here is like, all right, we're looking at the optics now. Let's add in some morality. So like, like we mentioned earlier with Roman Polanski, Bill Cosby, Woody Allen, all these people are still in the Academy. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, let's take it a step further. Let's actually show people that when we say we don't stand for these things, we actually don't stand for them, and not just in this one instance when it's blown up. Yeah. Um, like, like Kevin Smith mm-hmm. said something recently about, like, how he's going to... Any proceeds that he makes from his Weinstein movies, like residuals, will go towards women... And, like women filmmakers basically and I think like doing steps like that trying to correct or change yeah mm-hmm. 
things totally. in Hollywood is a good step in the right direction. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just want to point out like Courtney Love. Yeah, and I can tell us five mentioned interview that um, she was asked a question. What advice do you have for actresses or girls who want to become actresses? And she's like, um, I'm gonna get sued for libel by saying this or something around that. Yeah. And she said, Don't go to when Harvey Weinstein invites you to a party in a hotel. Don't go. Yeah. And yeah. then she was blacklisted by CAA, which was which is a, an acting agency or a talent agency. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because of that and. Yeah, I mean, people knew, and they knew for a long, long time. And, you know, it's a shame that things are changing now uh, after a scandal. But um, if it's what it takes, um, it's a step in the right direction. And hopefully there can be a moral uh, um, shift in Hollywood. But um, a lot of people are already canceling Hollywood. Speaking of Terry Crews from last week, he recently tweeted, hashtag Hollywood is dead. And I think that's uh, actually a very powerful statement. Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, maybe the way to fix it is to start fresh, to burn it down to the ground. The Weinstein Company, it's like, it's yeah. worthless now. There's like oh, yeah. three people left on the board, including yeah. Bob himself. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's, like, it's like, and Bob's accused. Um, and now, of course, uh, you know, Bob is denying uh, any allegations, and we won't know for sure until... Uh, um, court yeah. of law but you know it it doesn't matter point is you know maybe hollywood is dead and maybe starting fresh is the way to go about it i just know how that would go but this is you know it's still a young industry uh, when you really sit down and think oh, about yeah. it yeah. it is a very young industry and maybe it's time to start fresh now before it gets any older and it becomes more of a dinosaur yeah like yeah. having a like shift hire, in culture right. hire more women in position of power will right. change a yeah. lot yeah things. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's a, like we said last week, that's a story that's ongoing and developing, and I'm sure we We're will gonna come back to it. We're going to have something new next week. Yeah, I'm sure oh, we sure. will come back to it. Uh, um, and maybe, that you know, uh, not that it's good that, you know, these things happen, but it's um, a step in the right direction, and it's a positive thing because um, these people are being yeah. removed from their positions of power, and they are no longer uh, being predators. Um, but yeah, so that has been our sort of shorter than normal but not really (laughs) news section uh this week when we return we're going to talk some culture we got to set this right grace put the fighting spirit back in the american people ignite a revolution you want to strike fear in the nazis you want to cause some real motherfucking havoc well then you come to the right woman Still got some Nazi fighting killing skills up in you. I got a plan that's gonna send shockwaves throughout the nation. Okay, welcome back everyone. Um, we're gonna start off this section with a game called Wolfenstein 2 um, being released by Bethesda Studios. Um, yeah. Um, as you video game corner, yeah, video game corner, yeah. <laughs> um, so there was a controversy recently about how the dumbest controversy of all time. <laughs> how they're um, like so the studio was released a trailer about like making like anti-Nazi sentiments because the entire game revolves around killing Nazis, and um, there was the hashtag no no more Nazis mm-hmm. and. Yeah, just people were being offended by it because 
apparently these days it is offensive to be the against anti-nazi nazis wow. like when literally like in the cultural zeitgeist <laughs> Nazi is the opposite of America. Yeah, right. Nazis and communists were our enemies, and all of a sudden, like, we love Russians and we love Nazis. What I, the fuck happened? I yeah. really, I don't understand. It's, how is, <laughs> how is hating Nazis a controversial opinion? How is hating, like, you know, the fervent, the fervent need for like genocide and thinking that the white race is superior. Like, how is, how is that controversial? I don't. Yeah. Sorry. And maybe we're talking about like a vocal minority here. I'm not sure how many people. Are actually, oh yeah, I mean yeah, definitely. But obviously, that, but that there was yeah a controversy, a controversy in the first, in the first place. place is ridiculous. Yeah. But anyways. So the, the, yeah, the game. There was a short trailer that was released on Twitter mm-hmm. that said like, "Not my America." With like the Nazis taking over and yeah, so the the marketing lead um, Pete Hines was like he he basically said how the fact that this could be considered a controversy is ridiculous because the game the first game came out a couple years ago and like the entire game the story of the game is killing Nazis right well and but this is an old old video game yeah. series it's over 20 years old and this is a reboot I think we got the re- the first, first reboot one, yeah. like a few years ago and this is the second in that okay. series yeah that makes sense now and yeah so so he, he was saying how the story was always about killing Nazis like it, oh, the whole yeah. point of the thing yeah. is an alternative the history the entire game right yeah. it's an alternative speaking history, of Man on yeah. High Castle it's an alternative history where Nazis won and you play an American freedom fighter killing Nazis yeah and it just so happens that now is the time that like current events are lining, lining up, up right. with the game and it's just a coincidence but also that if they were to take a stand that Bethesda Studios are in the against column of like against Nazis. Like we're going to be in the right hip side of history by being right. on the side. And it was like, obviously, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything's political <laughs> now. Y'all even our alternative history yeah. video games, like what, but let's get into it. Nothing can be spared. Yeah. yeah. Like I saw someone on, on Twitter saying that anti-Nazi, um, means, um, no whites allowed or something. I'm like, what? No, literally not that. That means yeah. No, it means no Nazis. It literally means no Nazis. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's, I think that's the. I think like, what you said, Stan. Like it being a very, it being like a very like unfortunately loud and vocal minority yeah. is accurate. And I think there's also like something to be said about people who are just like, well, I don't like it, but it's freedom of speech. It's like, you don't give freedom of speech to people who are literally advocating for genocide. Like, please don't. (laughs) You know, uh, (laughs) but here's the thing. A lot of the people angry are, of course, they're neo-Nazis and they're alt-right, but they're from this sort of Trump uh, section because they really got angry because of the marketing message, which was make America Nazi free again. That was the marketing message that the studio was pushing. And I think that like they did that intentionally right to ride on this whole Trump era that we're living in right now. Right. And that's when people started taking offense and you're like, wait, hold up. Number one, (laughs) uh, this is a video game that's been around forever. When the fuck you've never spoken out against this. And also, where was your outrage 20 years ago, man? I'm pretty sure historically Nazis were like 
the main enemy yeah, of bad America. People, like, basically. what? <laughs> like, excuse me? So that makes zero sense. But, um, you know, we live in a world now where uh, Nazis feel like their voices are being oppressed. And it's like, it's pure insanity. Yeah. Yeah. It really makes no sense, but... I mean... Your voices are being your voices are being oppressed because you're literally advocating for genocide. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, come on. And, and let's not lose sight that this is a video game. Like at the <laughs> end of the day, it's a video yeah. game. It's an action video game. It's a fantasy. It's a story. Um, like it's not that deep, bro. No. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's like people are getting mad just because of this marketing campaign. You know, and it's like you literally just change the Nazi symbol in the video game, and it becomes some other enemy. Yeah. And it's like the. They're, they are missing that connection in that point because they are connecting it and aligning it to their point of view and they feel attacked and they feel oppressed and it's like, no, guys, that's not what it is at all. Um, it's just really, really unfortunate and kind of hilarious but also sad. Like, it's really sad that we're in a place where this yeah. causes controversy when it really shouldn't. It's like how the Republicans are, are like, complaining of how, like, Liberals are snowflakes, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. But and it's like, uh, who's the <laughs> yeah, snowflake here? Exactly. Who, who really is uh, the snowflake here? Um, you know, and the other thing I want to mention is also like, um, we've talked about this before on the podcast too, is, um, you know, video game culture and video gamers and the gaming community, there is a very vocal racist component of it. Very vocal racist and sexist component of it. Um, I consider myself a gamer, Stanley's also a gamer, even though he doesn't admit it sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're gamers and we're part of the community and it sucks that there is this vocal minority like this and it really, you know, puts a bad name. Like, it really gives us all a bad name at the end of the day because people are like, yeah, these crazy-ass neckbeard gamers and racists. Yeah, I want to say that the people who are complaining are gamers. They're, they're just like outsiders, you know. Uh, they are, but there are gamers who... Yeah, yeah, there are, actually. Ra- yeah. Like, there are gamers who, all of a sudden, who loved Wolfenstein back yeah. in the day at SNES, loved Wolfenstein, all of a sudden are like, fuck Wolfenstein, yeah. it's uh, against my views. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's just, it just sucks, and it's something that... The yeah. gaming community needs to address, but um, that's we just great. wanted to show, like, just address this whole controversy, how right. ridiculous this is. It's just dumb. It's just dumb. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. Uh, just being dumb. anti-Nazi is. I know. It's like, do you think these people look back at uh, Indiana Jones and are like, fuck Indiana yeah. Jones, <laughs> like, fuck yeah. him for being anti-Nazi? Like, what? Like, it just. Just, I, just, just wait. I bet yeah, you. Yeah, oh we're going to get the anti-Indiana Jones just because he killed oh Nazis. Um, anyways, um, let's talk uh, movie trailers. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. I want you to respond truthfully. Have you ever hurt someone? Yes. Have you ever experienced anything you'd consider abnormal? Yes. Last question. Do you know what mutants are? So there was a re- trailer released on Friday the 13th last week. Friday the 13th. Yeah, it yes. was a Marvel movie called um, The New Mutants. So this... 
this mysterious thing that we've heard about because Macy Williams from Game of Thrones was in it. Yeah. And Anya Taylor-Joy from Split. And yeah, they were both in it. And we've been hearing things, but we don't know exactly what it was going to cover other than the fact that it's like probably a superhero movie. But then right. the trailer was released and it's a horror movie. Basically. So, superhero horror movie. Yeah. Superhero horror movie. Which will be released on Friday the 13th in April of next year. Wow. Yeah. So it's like they, they thought about release dates and when they released this yeah. trailer. Yeah, that's dope. That's yeah. dope. Um, yeah. yeah. This trailer <laughs> This trailer is wild, y'all. I saw it. Was it was intense. I saw it in the movie theater. I forgot what movie. I think Blade Runner, Blade which Runner. we will talk about later. But um, I remember seeing the trailer and at first I was so confused. I was like wait what the fuck is happening and then when it hit me i was like oh oh okay marvel horror movie yeah um i'm into it y'all like I'm into me too it. yeah this is it's, this is what i wanted it scared me the first time yeah. i saw it i was like oh. yeah I was like, I these think, jump scares you know, and, yeah i think marvel is like like i i read something today it was like it's like the mcu's 10th anniversary is coming up soon so that blows my mind. I it literally know, feels like dude. yesterday Iron Man came out. So I think like I think Marvel's also getting to a point where they're like, man, our movies are getting stale, but our TV's doing really well. How do we like bring up, right? more of what people like in the TV shows, which is obviously like genre shifts I, and I, like. Uh, the TV shows are a big part of it, but comic books comic are a big, books, par- yeah. big part of it. I mean, it. of course, it's you know, When it comes to Marvel comic books, there are genre comic books, and they can explore genres, yeah. and they can explore different things, and that's one thing that... Um, They're basically like, let's get more niche. Well, that's the yeah. thing that people have um, not liked about the Marvel movies, getting stale, is why don't you do these one-offs, or why don't you do yeah. what makes comic books feel so special and huge? Um so they're doing it. They're like, fuck it, yeah, we'll do it. We're yeah. going to do a fuck fucking yeah. horror Marvel movie. And that's what excites me. As a comic book fan, that excites yeah. me. Yeah. Like, I haven't been super excited for most Marvel movies. Like, I think I'm most excited about, like, Thor. But that's only because of the director. Like, it's not even because of the yeah. franchise itself, right? But, like, this movie, legitimately, I'm just like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. And yeah. apparently, it's one of three... Uh, Marvel horror movies that's going to be made. I love that. They're oh, going to plan two. It's going to be so good. Like, they interviewed the director, and he was saying how the next two will be horror movies, but in a different way. They're each going to be different horror movies. Right. Their yeah. distinctive feel of them. Right. And this is uh, 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 an insane asylum-type horror yeah. movie. That's the style they're going for. Yeah. Um, and it's fascinating. Yeah. This is. I feel like this is the way that, like, big studios should be approaching projects exactly, because, yeah. like we have the clout to make it happen so let's just for let's just do it let's just do something interesting and unique and fun with the concept like merge the whole merging like the sci-fi plus superhero plus horror is like a really interesting combination mm-hmm. that we haven't seen a lot of so like let's just go balls to the wall and do it like if you're going to do Unoriginal con. If you're gonna do content based off of already existing material, this is what you should be doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, part of Marvel's problem that a lot of people have had is when it for, when the MCU first started, it was so fresh and original because it was mimicking comic books and the interconnectivity. And people were like, "Yes, we want a cinematic universe version of our comic book universe." 
Um, but they only kept that aspect of it. Yeah. And they yeah. decided to develop their own thing, which in a lot of ways proved very successful for them, obviously. They're I mean, making so much money. Yeah, they're making oh, so man. much fucking <laughs> money off it. Um, but creatively, the yeah. movies have started to suffer. Yeah. And this it's, may be yeah. the, you know, the shot of creativity they need. I will say... Um, there is a potential that it won't work and that this may be a bad movie. The trailer looks great and I have high hopes for it. Um, but you never know, especially when it comes yeah. to genre movies yeah. and yeah. horror movies. And but trailers are not like... Exactly. We said it time and time again, but trailers aren't really indicative of how the no. film's yeah. going to go. Even though we love talking about trailers on this podcast, really we're like half trailers, half politics <laughs> yeah. half the time. But, but like, it's... I don't know. This is like the fact that I'm... So super excited about a Marvel movie and I think it's really different is like really really something I think yeah have you, have you guys seen Legion the TV show no I heard it's great though yeah so that's like mm-hmm. another Marvel po- property where it's also going into horror mm-hmm. because there's like some really freaky stuff happening in that show but yeah like because TV is also also like just more you can do more creatively with it yeah and it's i've heard like legion is like this is the superhero stuff that like is what super you know like what superhero tv shows should be that's Mm. what legion is right yeah yeah because that that show pushes boundaries Mm and narrative storytelling and i'm excited that they're doing that with the new moon It is your time. Show me my respect and bow down. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. Don't freeze. I never freeze. So speaking of Marvel, yeah, we have another Marvel trailer to talk about. Yeah. Hey. Different Marvel, but still Marvel nonetheless. Yeah. The Black or Black Panther trailer was released, the full trailer. Um, and it's directed by Ryan Coogler of Fruitvale Station and Creed and stars Chadwick Boseman, who we saw briefly in Civil War. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you guys think of this? And Michael B. Jordan and Lupita Nyong'o and Angela Bassett. Oh, yeah. There's like a lot of stars. It's this movie movie stacked and it's like Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Get out. Oh, yeah. It looks like a giant. Martin Freeman, Andy, what's his name? Uh, Andy Serkis? Andy Serkis. Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. There's there are a lot of people in this movie. Um yeah, I'm I'm hyped. Like this the trailer looks amazing. Amazing action sequences. Um the acting like the actors are killing it. They look amazing. Um the art direction is beautiful. Oh my gosh. My gosh. It feels it really feels like um when we first saw that first Thor movie and we were like, holy shit, uh what's the name of the their fucking home whatever. Whatever. Asgard. Asgard, Asgard, whatever, Norse mythology, who cares? (laughs) No, but you know, when you first see Asgard and you're like, whoa, oh my God, this is like that, but way better and way cooler and it's just I don't know. It makes me really hype. Um I know when uh, I was talking about Marvel earlier, I was kind of, in my head kind of confusing both studios, but this is really the Marvel 
that uh, we know yeah. and love as the cinematic Marvel. Yeah, yeah, um, this is this even is though, like legit Marvel Cinematic Universe. Even though they Black Panther before, right? Even though they're all Marvel characters and they're all under sort of this Marvel umbrella, the different studios. Yeah. This is the you know Iron Man studio yeah. doing this. Yeah. So, yeah, hype! Oh my god, so hype! It looks so good, and like this is this is another like moment where it's like. Literally, it's a Marvel movie, but because they decided to, like, take a chance, get a black director into yeah. a black story, it just looks... It looks like the most unique. Exactly. Yes, out of all of those. Out of all of them, all of them Because for sure. of the fact that they're like, oh, yeah. Let's just the just, basic... Like, yeah. literally, the basic change in perspective is what they needed yeah. to, like, act... Like, it looks fresh. It looks new. The trailer is great. The music selection yeah. was amazing and like you know i think you gotta like i think that's what gets lost a lot in marvel movies is that they've like completely lost a point of view and perspective they're just like let's how do we pack as many stars into a movie as humanly possible and i think like we're getting back to the point where it's like all right we're gonna hire directors with interesting points of view to do these big budget movies mm-hmm. and it's we're gonna let them choose their crew we're gonna let them choose how they're gonna do this movie and we're just gonna let them run with it mm-hmm. and i, I think that's what i mean i don't know if they were going that i mean they're not i don't think they're going that they're, they're definitely not going that far like no, obviously there's a not. lot of studio oversight but i yes. think like it's really important that to mention that Ryan Coogler did get to choose like his core crew, especially like with the production design. The like production when you see design, this, yeah. when you see this trailer, it's like yes. very one hundred percent, one hundred percent. You know, influenced by like African culture. Yeah, it's, influenced yeah. by a lot of African one, cultures. One hundred percent. I think um, like more unique than anything Marvel's yeah. ever done. Yeah. I think Taika Waititi, like, I think it's really smart that they also let him like run with his comedy chops and make those like great. Thor and his roommate shorts just to, like, hint at it. Like, I think letting directors with unique perspectives take their movies Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, working with them instead of, like, it being, like... I I love how positive you are about it, but I... Until I I see these movies... Until I see these movies... I'm just excited. Because Black Panther could still be a horrible movie. Like, it really could. It It really really could. could. Um, And so could Thor. So I'm not as... uh, I'm just excited that this even got done because, like, ten, yeah. if you would have asked me this ten years ago, no, they would have never done a Black Panther movie. I think though. I'm just really excited. And now they're doing this like <laughs> amazing Black Panther movie with this huge budget, and there's an audience for it, and there's a hunger for it, and that's what's exciting. Now, if, will it be good? I sure yeah. hope. I really, really hope. I really, Stanley. Yeah. Your hype levels. Yeah, it's good. Like, I, I'm just going to echo what I said with yeah. the teaser trailer. It's like it looks really unique and really fun. Um, what I do hope is like I would like to see something like this for like the Asian culture being. I don't know if there's yeah. like an Asian superhero. Is there? No, I mean they could have had one with Doctor Strange, but they yeah. decided to go a more tradi- more quote unquote traditional route. Yeah, but while I was watching this trailer, like, ooh, this would be like really awesome if they made another version, like. Another right. super Asian superhero with Asian culture influences and just like man, yeah. just more you know like just like seeing different cultures on screen is yeah. great and yeah yeah no yeah yeah one hundred percent maybe 100%. we'll see that with Mulan and there's like know. a 
Yeah. yeah. And like like Edgar said, there's a hunger for it, right? And not mm-hmm. just from those specific niche audiences, which I think is what scared them off before, but like everybody wants to see it. Well, I won't say everybody because that's a little bit <laughs> drastic, but like I definitely really want to see it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So so that has been our, our Marvel, Marvel trailer, trailer roundup quarter but let's get to some um, movie some actual films we, we have some movie reviews yeah. these are more mini reviews we're not yeah. going to go too crazy into them but two movies uh, um, that are quite special yeah. have just come out Stanley you've seen this first one so really this is just you yeah. convincing us to go see this movie even though if you've seen the trailer you'll, you, you will want to see yeah. this you'll yeah. want to see the movie Got a situation here. Open up. It's only second week of the summer, and there's already been a dead fish in the pool. We're trying to get it back alive. Water blooms thrown at tourists. Boobies! Boobies! I failed as a mother, Moni. Yeah, Mom, you're disgraced. So the moving question is The Florida Project, um, directed by Sean Baker, who did Starlet and Tangerine. Tangerine? That was, like, his breakout, I guess. And Tangerine so, is a great Really great movie, movie. yeah. <laughs> And um, the Florida Project follows this, like, young girl with her other friends living in a rundown motel. And she has a single mother who's trying to make ends meet. And they live outside, like, the outskirts of Disney World. Like, they live close, but, like... Yeah. Right. But, but they're like that's ex- the backdrop. Yeah. yeah. They live close to this magical place, but they're but they're not like but they're, they're, not, they're, right? they're like really poor. Right. And they're unable to go there. So she, the little girl, makes the most of her situation. I think her the character's name is Mooney, and yeah. So Sean Baker is known to be like a humanist director. Like mm-hmm. he makes human dramas, um, and the Florida Project is no different, and. Despite, like, it's, like, kind of a coming-of-age tale, but it also makes a statement about poverty in America because we never, we rarely see films about, like, poor people, right? But this is, like, a different kind of poor because they're not homeless. But these people are, like, living paycheck to paycheck. Like, like every week trying to survive and stay in this motel, pay the rent. Right, which Um, is the reality for a lot of Americans. And it's not talked about much, and this movie just puts yeah. Show, I think shows you, you get a lot of movies where it's just like the drastic ends of both sides. You either get like the hyper rich or yeah. the, poor the hyper poor, but yeah. like those areas of gray in between yeah. aren't like necessarily portrayed as much. Yeah. So um, this movie's great. Um, Brooklyn Prince. Did you cry? My one and only question. Yeah, I, I cried like. <laughs> So the movie, like, since it's from the girl's perspective, it's, like, she's trying to make the most of her situation. It's, like, happy, like, generally happy, even though, like, the things around her, the dotes around her are are basically, like, suffering and... Right. Like, you see, like, hints of, like, drama, but but she tries to be happy in her own state of mind. And, but, like, this sadness, this underlying sadness builds up, like... 
up, up, build, build towards the end. And like, it's just reaches this all time, like high that once, once you get to that point, the tears like start flooding. It's like really like the trailer makes it seem like a happy, optimistic, uplifting film. Right. But in reality, it's like really depressing and heartbreaking. Like, yeah. (laughs) So don't go into this expecting. No, like, yeah. Uh, like, something fun. Yeah. Yeah. Even though there and are like like funny uh, scenes throughout. Is it yeah. heartwarming or is it more depressing? No, there's like heartwarming scenes, but like towards the end, it's just like so oh. like heartbreaking. And oh. um, the the girl who plays her mom, her name is Bria Vinate. I don't know her. I don't know how to um, pronounce, pronounce it, it, but she was apparently a Instagram star, and the director like found her and like private messaged her over Instagram. It's like, yo, be in my movie, yeah. girl, and slid into the DMs, <laughs> yes. but for like a professional yes. relationship. Yeah. And she was like, when she first got it, she was like, I don't know if this is a joke or if this is real or not. And like Sean Baker is also known from his previous films, like of hiring like. Act like people who weren't actors before, yeah. like first time actors basically. This is her first film along with Brooklyn Prince, and the, they're like both fantastic and natural. Mm-hmm. How's Willem Dafoe's performance? Oh, yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah. people are like Willem Dafoe's like the saying, one seasoned part of the yeah. Cast. He's like the 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 A list the star right, right. cast member. And he's like really he's the one who like is like oh, but we have Willem Dafoe right that, attached. So, so we get Can the you funding. Give us some money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, he's great. Um, understated performance. It's like also like heart, like heartwarming, and to see him play like someone, like understated, I guess. Yeah. But, um, right. That's oh, true because whenever we see him, he's very exaggerated. Yeah. Yeah. Like to a Green Goblin. Right. <laughs> exactly. In my head, he is Green Goblin. No, that's great. So yeah. you loved it. It's yeah. Just it's, I have a problem with the ending. Okay. The last okay. like one minute. But okay. I, I'm gonna rewatch it, and I read like a statement from director him explaining why he chose that ending and what it means. But um, I will watch it a hundred more times because I loved it that much. Damn! Yeah. So Stanley highly recommends it. Yeah. Um, oh, Drake also highly recommends this movie, which yeah. I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Drake and, and the mother in the movie are friends. Apparently, apparently. friends in real life. Yeah. That's that's pretty hilarious. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so go see this movie because it's fantastic and Sean Baker is like easily like one of my favorite filmmakers now yeah. after seeing his films you should definitely watch this movie Tangerine um, I'm gonna go watch it and you should watch Tangerine Tangerine's brilliant yeah yeah I'm, I, I definitely want to go see this so and also Starlet if you want to see a rising star um, and a rising director and a, everything rising yeah. check out that movie but the opposite of that um, some established yeah. stars some established director um, this is a pretty special movie that came out um, last weekend like two weeks two weekends ago it's a little bit old news um, but you know it, it was the talk of the town for the money that it didn't make for yeah. the story that it told for blah 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 um, so we thought we would do our own little mini review uh, Stanley and I saw Blade Runner 2049 every leap of civilization was built off the back of slaves. Replicants are the future, but I can only make so many. I had the luck, and he has the key. Later under directed by 
Denis, it's Denis, 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 Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Yeah, yeah, French Canadian. <laughs> yeah, we kind of mispronounced it previous episodes, but um, he's he directed Arrival, Sicario, mm-hmm. um, Arrival, amazing. Prisoners, Prisoners, so good, also great. Yeah, these great films, and Blade Runner is basically a or is a sequel to the original film. Right, and he was it. like handpicked by Ridley Scott, right? I think that was oh, the I'm not sure. the thing. He was like. I want him to do it mm. after the strength of Arrival, which I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. 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 And Blade Runner itself was a commercial, like, bomb since right. when it was released, but it became a cult, cult classic. classic, basically. Right. And we're kind of seeing the same thing happening with this one because this movie got, like, really positive reviews, but yeah, since it cost so much money, like $150 million, it made, like, Thirty-two million opening weekend, which is like really in the U.S. alone, which is really low, um, because people yeah. were thinking this would be like the fall blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a three-hour art film. When it's you really three, think, about it's almost it. three hours yeah. long. Like it is a long like, movie. A three-hour yeah. movie is a hard sell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but then most Marvel movies are this yeah. long. It's so true. It's true. It's just like a slower sci-fi movie that audiences aren't used to seeing right and yeah just let's let's, let's get into let's just know. dive into it uh i have a lot of feelings about this movie um i think we all mentioned before that we aren't exactly the original like we aren't exactly huge fans of the original um i think we've all seen it um there's ver- various different versions um, uh, I, I've seen a version that I like more than the other. I couldn't tell you if it's the director's cut or the theatrical <laughs> I know. cut. It's, I, I, it's the one with the narration. I actually personally like that one oh. the most. Um, and then there's a version without uh, the sort of noir narration mm-hmm. that Ridley Scott wanted to um, stay away from. So I, I don't know which is which. But anyways, um, yeah, it's like this Harold cult classic that a lot of people love and a lot of people look down on you if you don't like it. It's one of those yeah. movies. They're like, oh, you haven't seen Blade Runner? You don't like Blade Runner? Fuck you. Like, it's like, what? I've heard from many friends yeah. I know that they don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is... Uh, a, I don't like it. So which is surprising. Just... It is a very <laughs> slow, slow film. Um, and yeah. this is no different. But um, this is um, a beautiful movie this might be one of the most if not the most beautiful movie of the year like it is actually um a shot by roger think yeah who should win an oscar because it's honestly like breathtaking i've never like honestly this year i've not seen a movie that beautiful Hmm. um you know there's a, a lot going on in the story but the more i think about this movie for me it sort of feels like um fan fiction like fan fiction mm-hmm. to the original movie just done at the most insane amazing professional yeah. level but not quite in canon um because there's a lot of like little inconsistencies and a lot of weird things in it um but um no the direction dennis uh Vinu, amazing director i've always uh, i've loved almost everything i've seen he, him do so it, it's outstanding here um acting great yeah. it's amazing um, the story is where it fails me. And there's a lot of like, what? L- like it makes no sense sometimes. And you're okay. like, why <laughs> is it done this way? Um, uh, the uh, love of the original aesthetic and the love of the original movie is so strong here. And there's a lot of uh, like callbacks and there's points where you're like, oh shit, that's like fan service right there for the old movie. That was cool. I also love their uh, their interpretation of Blade Runner's view of the future from the 80s. It's sort of, that's yeah. fascinating in industry, this sort of like blocky industrial mm-hmm. 
uh, um, look of the future is really neat. Um, but um, I'm going to save some of my negative uh, feelings towards the end because uh, okay. I want to hear how you just felt about the movie originally when you first watched it. Okay. Well, um, I thought that this movie was a lot better than the original. It expands on the themes of the original, but also goes yes. on a different direction. It's unique, and as a sequel, it's it's telling its own story. Right. Um, so I, I will say the original is about, like, what is it to be human? What is it to be an android yeah. or machine? And this one's what is free will? Like, that's sort of one of the yeah. major themes in this movie over yeah. what makes a human. Yeah. Like, if androids can become human. Right. Um, yeah, all those sci-fi themed stuff. Right. You, yeah. Um, I, and uh, slavery, but we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I thought this was a really thought-provoking film. A lot of the questions that it asks are really, like... Well, yeah, like, it's a thinker. Like, it makes yeah, you think. Yeah. Percolate in your mind after it ends, like... Um, like after it ended, I was like, um, what do I do with all this? <laughs> because I don't even know where to start yeah. with answering these right. questions. Um, it feels like Akira in that way. If you've yeah. seen Akira, you're just like, these are some heavy ass yeah. things. Okay. <laughs> and I love the fact that there's a big budget studio movie yeah. that does something like this. Yeah. Um, that is cool. Yeah. Um, uh, beautiful film, obviously. Um, I like the cast a lot. Ryan Gosling is really good. Yeah. Um, he plays, a, uh, Agent K who is, yeah. uh, a replicant. He's a replicant, um, yeah. who is the, the, the sort of Android figures in this world. Yeah. And, um, he's basically the star of the show. Harrison Ford shows up much later in the movie. Yeah. Um, also really He's great good. too, though. Yeah. Um, but as when you're watching the film, you can tell that they're taking their own time. Yeah. Like we're going to take our time with this scene. Yeah. And, and, and linger on this yeah. shot. <laughs> Just cause. cause like the scenes like go on, like I, I was never bored by it, honestly, but like you can tell the way it's edited and shot like, okay, this is going to go on longer than you want it. And like, honestly they could have cut out like tw- at least 20 minutes from it. But like, from what I've seen, they could have cut out more. Yeah, yeah. But from my like, from what I've seen, like, I was never bored. I was always compelled by. I will agree with that. Yeah. Even though it's three hours, I never felt like, oh, I need to leave. Yeah. Like, I actually was really into it. Yeah. There was one point, like one plot point in the movie where there's this whole sequence, but then it ended up not mattering. I'm like, okay, why did that? Yeah. What's the point of yeah. that? Yeah. But overall, I thought it was really impressive filmmaking and also story. They brought back the original like screenwriter from Blade Runner to write the script, and um, yeah, I thought it was really good. But yeah, yeah, it's one. It's actually one of my favorites this year. But I want to watch it again. I, I would agree. I mean, overall, I'm I, I feel very positive about this movie. Um, but there, so let me get into some of the negatives that I feel, and this actually came to me as I was thinking of the movie more and more. Um, but I think right after I saw the movie, one of the things I told y'all, uh, both of y'all, I texted y'all about it, was um, why is the future so white? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's like really evident in this movie too. Literally, the only people of color in this film are bad people. Like they are bad people. And part of this movie, like one major aspect of this movie, is the idea of slavery and these replicants being used as slaves, yet all the people here are white. Now, of course, white people have been historically slaves before. I'm not going to say that they weren't. 
but we like in this day and age and in this like alternative future like in this future that we're living in it's kind of like it feels kind of dumb that they're not gonna have people of color yeah. uh in a slave story like what like it, it that is sort of um just it felt like a an oversight like they weren't quite thinking that obviously they hired these amazing actors like robin wright's in it mm-hmm. um these like amazing people uh jared leto um the Jared Leto's yeah. character, oh my god, he's like the most badly written villain. Like his, all his quotes are literally Bible verses. <laughs> like he only speaks in Bible verses in this movie. It's yeah. really uh, interesting. Um, and they only filmed like they filmed him in two weeks. Like he's barely in the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Um, but he does play. I mean, he does play like a, a intimidating yeah. bad guy. But um, it's a little. It's a little much. Uh, but yeah, that sort of stood out to me initially, and I was like, okay, that you know, that was one of the problems people had with the original, and they did not rectify that yeah. at all. Um, and I like, I understand, but um, they could have, and they should have, really, honestly. Um, and the other thing is, the women in the movie, literally, all the women in the movie are meant to serve a man. Like literally, in the movie, um, you know, his like main love interest, her whole purpose is to serve him. And uh, even like Robin Wright in the film, her whole thing um, is to play off him and uh, Ryan Gosling yeah. and uh, the leads. So I'm forgetting the actress's name, but who plays Jared Lowe's uh, right hand arm? Yeah, I've... right hand. She pretty the, Sylvia Hoax. Yeah, her whole job, her literal, her whole job in the movie was to be the bad guy for, for Jared Leto. Yeah. And I'm like, why not just make her the main guy? Like, yeah. fuck Jared Leto. Like, he, he's only in the movie like 20 minutes. Yeah. Why even have him in here? Like, just make her the the yeah. person. Um, so that was like, that made no sense to me either. And I was like, why do we keep making these futuristic future movies where women and people of color take a backseat to mm. white men? And I think it's a valid argument, even though it's like, yes, this is a great movie. The sound is amazing. The visuals are amazing. Yeah. Um, but why do we keep making movies like yeah. that? Um, I, I kind of, yeah, I agree like with that a little bit, but there's like a, a plot twist element. There is. There that, is a twist at the movie. That kind of makes up for that in a way. Because, sort of. Because like the movie basically follows the hero's journey. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and then Ryan Gosling. Yeah, Ryan Gosling is um, assumed assumed the, the hero of the story. And but there's some like some really cool surprises towards the end that turns it like Edgar yes. says on its head. That I maybe makes up for it. I I will say so. I've been like reading theories and people talking about it. And um, yes, there is one way that you could view this movie where at the end. Um, the turn sort of in a way could make up for it but uh, but still like but, yeah, yeah. but that's not the movie yeah. the movie is Ryan Gosling yeah. at the end of the day you know yeah. um, and it's just that was disappointing to me yeah. I wanted there could have been more like stronger female yeah. characters yeah. female characters yeah. and also this Blade Runner is built on this future that is heavily heavily influenced by Japanese culture um, I, like Sony was a huge part of the original yeah. movie Sony's still a big part of this movie and it's like where are the Asian people in this movie like what the yeah. fuck like why is this there always any. yeah like Akira's <laughs> a huge influence in Blade Runner and you're like uh, where's the hello? connection hello <laughs> like sure have Ryan Gosling as your lead because whatever but come on like yeah. come on here I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, but I, I think it's really interesting. I read, I was uh, reading an article the other day where it was literally like, you know, these globalized futures, right? Especially ones that are, you know, inspired by Asian cultures. 
A, like, the mishmashing of Asian cultures is, like, a big problem, and, like, that should definitely stop. But also, yeah, why why in these globalized futures it, are there no people of color? Why are women taking a backseat? Like, I just think people need to stretch their imaginations a little bit more because, like, extensively, if we're in the future, we shouldn't be following the same social norms that you know exist today, today like exactly. you have more room if, yes. you have a way more room if this to, is like, an explore. alternative storyline yeah. why not explore that you yeah know? so i think i think it's weird to have like a sci-fi future movie like literally the title is 2049 like we should we still we shouldn't be still adhering to like yeah today's sort of racial and gender dynamics um i would totally agree with that although i will say it at the end of the day it doesn't really take away from the movie like it's still a solid great movie but i feel like it could have been even better and more amazing if they decided to take that quote-unquote risk and like it's important to call these things out right like even when the movie is good and maybe especially when the movie is good it was like there are ways you could have pushed this further. And, like, these are the glaring mistakes that are happening over and over and over again. Even if a movie is great, like, it's still unacceptable Mm -hmm. for this to be a thing. I I mean, I agree with you, um, definitely. Um, But at the same time, the movie's made, the movie's happened, it's here, you know? And we're looking at it objectively as a piece of art, and it's overall a successful piece of art for me, it worked, um, and I actually agree with Stanley. I bet you were going to get roasted by everyone, but um, it definitely worked a lot more than the original in mm-hmm. many, many ways. Um, but it failed in other other ways, to to be perfectly honest. Um, but um, but yeah, it, it's a shame that they didn't do that. They didn't explore that because they sh- honestly they should have. They really just mm-hmm. should have. Um, but what we got is a solid movie, um, and it's. Uh, also, like, a miracle that we got such a movie at such a high budget yeah. it created like this. It's a three-hour art movie. That's yeah. cool. Like, to me, that's cool. Even though it flopped, <laughs> even yeah. though it's not going to make up its money, I still think that's cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you had to give it a score or... Uh, yeah. Well, what what would be your Stanley score for this? <laughs> I'll give it an 8 out of 10. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which is sort of like what, speaking of Rotten Tomatoes, that's sort of like where the yeah. score was like 86, 87. Yeah. I would agree. I would give it um, uh, like in the 80s, you know, yeah. like an 8. Um, I would agree. Yeah. So that's uh, Blade Runner. Could have been better. Could have been better. <laughs> the story of always. Um <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, since we knew that uh, Blade Runner may have been a little bit of a downer note at, towards the end, uh, uh, especially because of my feelings uh, on certain aspects of the film, we thought we would do um, end on a positive note. And there's something that happened um, this Tuesday that just made me endlessly happy. It just made me so, so overjoyed. And that is the Google Doodle. The Google Doodle this year feature, or this uh, Tuesday featured. Uh, Selena, who is, um, you know, one of uh, music's biggest uh, uh, Texan figures, one of Texas's biggest figures, a big Tejana figure, a big uh, Latin, Latinx figure. Um, she was a Google Doodle. And not only was she a Google Doodle, it was the sweetest, most like heartwarming, touching, so cute. Uh, uh, little animated film. Um, 
and it just brought me a lot of joy. And I think I texted all my friends oh, about yeah. it. And we were talking, we were talking about it all day because it was just so so amazing. Um, but what's interesting about it is that um, Google had planned to do this Google Doodle a while ago, um, and it was pushed for for two years by. Um, Berla Campos, who is actually the global marketing lead for Google Doodle. Uh, I don't know if uh, many of our listeners know this, but Google has a whole Google Doodle department. Like their whole job is to come up and create an archive and, and preserve the Google Doodles. Like that is their whole job. And she is the marketing lead for them. And she saw that they were working as she came on and she was hired. She saw that they were working on this doodle and, you know, Berla's story is actually really interesting. It's very similar to Selena's where she was uh, a Texan girl who grew up in a small town in a Mexican-American household who her entire life was told, um, you know, you're not going to be anything because of the societal constructs that, uh, you know, Latin people are put in. Um, well, people of color, really. Um, but she managed to break out and now she's the marketing lead of the fucking Google Doodle team. Like, that's amazing. Uh, so she felt a real strong kinship to uh, Selena. So when she saw um, that they were doing this, she said, actually, stop. I want to take my time on this. Uh, I think we should do like we should really, truly do this right and honor her. So they worked with uh, Selena's family for a, a long time and they collaborated and they created this amazing Google Doodle. If you've not seen this Google Doodle we highly recommend you go it's on Google. It's super see it. cute, super sweet. They gave her like the iconic lipstick stain on her mic. It's, like, it, it's so good. Yeah, it's it really, really amazing. Um, really well done. Um, yeah, but that's sort of um, uh, the background around it. And also sort of interesting um, that Perla uh, uh, was talking about and she sort of mentioned is that um, you know, it's an interesting time to release something like this because of the current political climate and the way that uh, um, the Republicans and Trump view uh, Mexican Americans and Latinx people. Um, and you know, DACA. We were just had a whole episode on DACA and uh, Selena, who um, you know was from an immigrant family. She herself was not an immigrant. She was a native Texan born, but her family um, obviously from immigrant origins. Um, well. It's it's complicated. I don't want people to uh, to <laughs> drag me on this. It's very complicated. Texans and uh, Tejanos and Latinx people. It's very complicated. I know. Um, but anyways, uh, uh, Perla said uh, Selena was always about transcending boundaries and someone who has such a powerful story to be featured on the homepage of Google, a search engine that connects people the way she connected people. That is such a beautiful thing. Featuring an immigrant woman should not be political. It should be celebrated. Um, I've been talking a lot. I'm just yeah. really proud and really happy because uh, I'm a Texan Latinx person. So this really means a lot to me. But how did you all feel about this? You saw this. As someone who hasn't seen the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, like, or heard her music. Or heard yeah. her music. Yeah. Very little. I'm sorry. I, no, I know okay. I should I should see the movie. But um, I thought the doodle was like really great. Um, it features like one of her songs, right? Yeah. Um, Zoom, boom, boom, boom. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah, seeing her like um, as a little girl and then growing up, that was great. It's heartwarming. And yeah. Does it make you want to see the movie? Uh, yeah, like <laughs> as, a, as a Texan, I knew I should have seen it sooner. Right. <laughs> because she's like such a significant figure here. Right. But yeah, I'm going to see it now, like sooner now. But, yeah, sooner than later yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I haven't seen the movie either, but I am a fan of Selena. <laughs> Come uh, on, people! I know, I know, I know. I ha- but I am a fan of her music and just, like, her cult of personality. Like, the fact that she has sort of, you know... You know she's... At least in my life, at least, growing up and living in Texas and stuff, like, she's been relevant mm-hmm. for, like, people still talk about Selena, people still listen to her music, people still love her, they know every Absolutely. word. Absolutely. And I just thought this Google Doodle was such a great tribute. I thought it was so, like, well done, animated really well, even, like, the the title card, like, the Google title card was beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so good. It, it was, was so just, good. Yeah, really well done. Um, uh, uh. Selena's a huge figure in my life. Um, I connect her to my mother because growing up, I would listen to her music with my mom, um, and it meant a big deal for us. I still, you know, I was very, very young when she was tragically murdered, but I remember the news stories. I remember people talking about it, and I also remember um, every year on the anniversary there would be like a news program about it, and people would talk about it. And my family would talk about it, um, and she was just a very, very important figure in my life growing up, and. Um, you know, seeing that it made me emotional. Like I teared up when I first saw it and I wasn't expecting it. That's the thing. It just like came out of nowhere. I was like, whoa, what? Like this is happening. This is the Google Doodle. And I thought it was just going to be like this static thing. Yeah. And then you click it and you're like, it's a whole video. You're like, oh my <laughs> God, this is so well done. It's so amazing. And I remember I saw it and I was like, mom, you have to watch this. You oh have to God. see this right now. And I told my whole family and then I texted all my friends and it was just like, it just honestly really made my day. Um, it's, really beautifully well done she has such an amazing powerful story if you don't know it um i I suggest you look it up and um or watch the movie (laughs) you can watch the movie starring j-lo uh it's not a great movie but um but it's emotional and it gets the job done um so yeah go watch the doodle it will make you feel we'll uh, post it on yeah we'll post it on social media it will make you feel a million times better um but yeah Thank you, Google, and thank you, Bedla, for uh, being able to do this because this is the kind of stuff that Google should be doing. They have such a huge platform. Why not do uh, uh, stuff like this and honor such iconic, amazing figures? Um, all right. That has been our episode, a little bit of a freeform episode this yeah. week. Um, you know, um, We'll be back to normal next week, but as always, you can listen to us everywhere that you listen to podcasts, and you can follow us on our social media at MinorityPod on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook. We are the whole thing, the Minority Report podcast. Um, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.